Welcome to Gut Wisdom, a show about work, life, and how to succeed in both. It's radio that resonates. Now, here are your hosts, Deirdre Koppelman and J.G. John Gassman. Well, life is very interesting, and you just never know why or how certain people come into your lives. Isn't that true, J.G.? Absolutely. And isn't it true also that our circumstances can change on a dime? Yeah. Well, tonight, sure. tonight is a very special Gut Wisdom Night. For one thing, we've got a live audience. And, and on top of this is just not your grandfather's radio. And tonight we've got a true story about two of New York City's top doctors whose paths may never have crossed, even though they work at the same hospital. Well, I think what's even more interesting, isn't one of the physicians that's on the show your own doctor? Well, yes, JJ. Uh-huh. You never know why up. you'll meet some people. So Dr. Jonathan Winston has known me uh, since I'm 26 years old. So he's probably the first man that saw me in a gown, um, and it was blue. Ooh. <laughs> and uh, he's still my doctor and one of the best, as a matter of fact. Well, here's what I can tell you, listeners. If you want to hear an incredible story that brought two top doctors together and get some wisdoms for heart health, this is it tonight. And you'll want to stay tuned only on Gut Wisdom because you know why, Judgey? Radio that resonates? Well, no, think about it. We've got a doctor who had a critical situation, unexpected, Mm -hmm. and it could happen to any of us. Yeah. Could you imagine, have you ever had a situation where you kind of thought, "Uh uh-oh, I'm in big trouble? All the time. (laughs) I'm married. (laughs) Okay. Well, stay tuned. It's only on Gut Wisdom on WCBS News Radio 880. Get the news you need whenever and wherever you need it. Follow WCBS on Twitter and like us on Facebook. You can even listen to WCBS on your phone with live streaming and audio on demand with the CBS local app. Stay connected with your favorite news radio station all day long. When you need to know, WCBS has you covered. We are live tonight. And we are ready to bring you the best in radio content and the best in life wisdoms. I'm Deirdre Koppelman here with your co-host, John Gassman, a.k.a. J.G., and you're listening to Gut Wisdom on WCBS News Radio 880. Joining us right now is Dr. Jonathan Winston, a highly respected, talented, brilliant, I can't say enough wonderful things about him, well-known nephrologist, yes, that's a kidney doctor for some of us who may not need a nephrologist, uh, with the Mount Sinai Medical Center. And I think our listeners are going to be very, very interested in what he has to say tonight because of this story is shocking. From what you shared with me, Mm. I I couldn't believe it. So Mm -hmm. share a little bit about how long you know Dr. Winston for. So here's a story inside a story and how we actually were able to get Dr. Winston here. So Dr. Winston has been my doctor since I was 26 years old. That was was yesterday. uh, That was yesterday, sure. So the fact that the two of us are sitting here together tonight in front of a live audience is amazing, okay? I agree. I'll I'll try not to cry. I'm glad you're still here. So here's what's interesting, and here's why Dr. Winston is here tonight with us. Um, About a year ago, I called to make an appointment with you for a checkup, and your office staff was uh, a little sketchy almost evasive. I said, hi, it's Deirdre Koppelman, ready to make my appointment with Dr. Winston. Well, he's not available. Okay. When will he be? You know, when's the next available appointment? We're not sure. 
uh, we don't know when he's coming back. I've never had that any time I've called the doctor's office. So when I heard, we're not sure what time he's coming back, I panicked a little bit and said, and they said, well, you can see Dr. XYZ. And I said, well, I don't really want to see Dr. XYZ, but okay, I will. And I went. Fast forward a little bit, uh, about a year later, right, this past October, I needed to get some pre-op clearance. Those listeners know that I had a little surgery uh, a couple of months ago. So, of course, I want to get to see Dr. Winston. And I did. I got my appointment, which I was very happy about. I couldn't stalk you over the year to see if you were back or not. We were a little busy doing other things. And when you walked in, there I was in my gown, as usual. Ooh, and beautiful. It's 26 years, by the way. And I, the, I looked at you immediately and said, wow, are you okay? You lost a lot of weight. And your answer was? My answer should have been something like, I'm doing extremely well and I'm great. Right. <clears throat> but well, I hadn't been. Right. So why don't you tell us, you told me this incredible story and I said, wow, I think other people can learn. And you said, I'd be happy to do that. So... And this is where the story all begins. Yeah. So let's get a round of applause and a big welcome. Dr. Jonathan Winston. Well, thank you very much, and it really is a pleasure to be here, and I'm very grateful to be here, very grateful to the doctor who took care of me, who you'll hear from later. Uh, But I basically, in summary, developed heart disease. And the diagnosis came very suddenly, and I needed really major surgery. And it all happened for me very quickly. So weren't you actually supposed to have knee surgery? Correct. So for those of you not in the audience who are listening on the radio, I'm generally, or I like to think I'm physically fit. I'm thin. I'm active. I'm athletic. I didn't take care of myself in terms of my diet. I ate a lot of, uh, a lot of red meat, steaks. Uh, I know, I'm known to have high blood pressure and high cholesterol, which is treated. I have my bloods checked, but never was really very proactive about heart health. Mm. And I had developed some arthritic changes in my knees, and I was having trouble exercising. Uh, I was wearing a brace. I was getting a little deconditioned. And during that time, I began to get a little shortness of breath when I exerted myself. But for whatever reason, which is deep psychological dysfunction, I chose to interpret that as being deconditioned and not as a warning sign of heart disease. So just, right, so we all do that, which means... You have symptoms, and you blame it on something else, right? Correct. So instead of a doctor Correct. We with do all it, of your we... knowledge <laughs> saying this looks, right. feels, smells, must be a duck, right? Whatever wherever that goes. We do it too, and I did. <laughs> and I, you did. Yes. So off you went to have what kind of surgery? A knee I was going to have my knees uh, replaced. I had uh, bad uh, arthritic changes in both knees, and they were going to do a bilateral knee replacement. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty big surgery. So we had a routine heart testing pre-op, and long story short, I failed my stress test. The one wow. where you have to go on the treadmill? You get on a treadmill, it's and for, for me, they did a, an echocardiogram where they essentially do a sonogram of your heart, and they can look at blood flow, 
and they see the response to exercise. And I was doing very well. I was actually watching the doctors who were watching me, mm. and they were uh, smiling. They were smiling. And then towards the end of the test, I saw them become a little more attentive to the screen and discussing amongst themselves. And because of my symptoms, I realized Uh-oh. that we were seeing something. Learned something interesting about body language there. <laughs> well, <laughs> did, you see, did you see what they saw? No, or you I just saw them? I, 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 was, I was aware of my exercise capacity. Because like every type A uh, person who's taken tests throughout college and medical school, I know how to prepare for a test. Right. So I was prepared for my stress test, and I was actually going to the gym. And I was... Were you? I was pushing You myself. were preparing for the test? He was gaming the system. I, I, want, I, I, I was convinced that I was... Deconditioned, and that I could condition myself. I wow. like this word "deconditioned," but how interesting! You, as a physician, as a doctor, you know yourself, right? I mean, we as regular laymen, what do we know? And we just push things off. But you, of all the people, should know better in some ways. And, and was it true? We, which probably doesn't make you feel good, but we expect more. <laughs> yes, it's just from part our doctors. of right. Don't you expect more from your doc? Like they know everything. They know you could self-diagnose. Never question of, the doctor, of, remember? Right, instead of all of us going on Google which so that we can all be our own doctors and look up every condition that we Don't think we it. may have, right? Who does that here? Oh, God, right. Some, does anybody? Can I hear a clap? Okay. It's unanimous. Well, we all I'll, Google. I will, I will fast forward slightly and yeah. acknowledge that once the diagnosis was established, one of my first reactions was truly humiliation. Oh, no. Oh, because yeah. I knew Ugh. I should have known better. Oh, but you're so, a human. aside from the shock and everything else that one has to do to deal with a new set of realities, new paradigm. I was a bit humiliated. Yeah, well, you shouldn't be because we're all human, and that's, yeah. you know, no different, right? It's humbling, humbling experience. Right. Yeah. How many of us could say we've had right. life experiences, even mm -hmm. in business, right? Yeah. How many times can, uh, team is here when I've said, wow, was that, how could I have made that decision? I should have known better. We, we're all like that. So did you have a family history? Curious. I had a family heart. history, yes. So I had, uh, my father died relatively young, uh, but of course... In the 1950s, well, he didn't die. He died in 1970, but adults coming of age in the, in the 40s and 50s, 60s, if you had heart disease then, you really, you died. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so here, here's a question. I mean, what went through your mind when you realized you were in trouble? And, you know, it happened so quickly. Did it help you being a doctor, or did it just make the circumstances worse? because you started overthinking things. Well, I didn't really overthink. Uh, I, I, uh, when the stress test was positive, my cardiologist told me, uh, he used the term, we need to take a closer look. Mm -hmm. And I knew that meant there was something going on and he wanted to do a more uh, specific test, which is called a coronary angiogram. Mm -hmm. It's a special x-ray where they hmm. 
go, uh, thread a catheter into the heart through one of the uh, arteries in the system. They go up, uh, thread it up into the coronary arteries, inject a contrast material, and that's the definitive test for coronary artery disease. Because it shows <coughs> blockages? It shows or? blockages, okay. correct. And it shows the anatomy of the, uh, the, anatomy of the coronary arteries. So uh, I had that done a week later, and, or maybe a few days later. Yeah. And then that, then the diagnosis was definitive. I had a occlusion, not a block, not a narrowing. I had an occlusion of one of the major arteries to the heart. So at that point in time, for coronary disease, we'll hear later there are a couple of different approaches. You could put in a stent. The doctors at the time of the angiogram could literally open up that vessel and put a little stent in there, mm -hmm. but they advised me to have a coronary bypass. Ooh. They felt it would be better for me, it would be more durable, more definitive, and it was the right thing to do. And now the gift begins. They referred me to Dr. John Puskas, and they told me that we have someone in the Mount Sinai system who's truly a leader in the field, in what's called minimally invasive coronary uh, revascularization. And they explained that I could get the benefits of open heart surgery with a minimally invasive approach. Wow. So get the benefits of the definitive surgery with the discomfort and morbidity of uh, a minor surgery, yeah. which was for me that's actually how it did work out, an incredible blessing. Wow, so, so hold that, because coming up, we're going to have uh, Dr. Puskas joining us. So could we say that he saved your life? Oh, yes, we definitely can yes, say that. Yes, we can. I just didn't want to say that if that wasn't true. Uh, but Dr. Puskas is joining us, and what a story. I, I'm, I'm putting myself in your <laughs> shoes and thinking, <gasps> Oh, my God. I'm frightened. Yeah. I, I can't even imagine what that must have been like, but we're going to hear more. So coming up, as I said, we've got Dr. Uh, Puskas, who saved Dr. Winston's life. And listeners, listen up as a gut wisdom gift. If you email me at dk at gutwisdom, G-U-T-W-I-Z-D-O-M.com, we are going to send you our gut wisdom, heart healthy wisdoms for 2018. Not while you're driving. There's no emailing, texting, or anything like that. Is there a, is there a note in there, don't eat donuts? Well, so that's interesting, JG. Because we can use me as a reference. Well, what makes you think we're not going to use you? Oh. You do eat donuts. That's not heart healthy. Um, but but we'll, I gave up the red meat. Well, we're going to learn more about what we should and shouldn't do. But if you're interested in the gut wisdom, heart healthy wisdoms, certainly number one will be lay Don't off the donuts. donuts. Okay. Stay tuned, you're coming back. Introducing Play.it, a podcast network like no other. At Play.it, you can hear your favorite WCBS features on demand. In the WCBS Eye on Politics. I'm Pat Farnack with the WCBS Health and Wellbeing Report. I'm Steve Greenberg talking about your next job. Hear those and more from WCBS when you need it. Plus, great content from other CBS stations. For the best in news, sports, business, and tips for your lifestyle, go to Play.it today. We are back, everyone, and one thing for sure, life has a funny way of throwing us a lot of curveballs, and often 
they're filled with big lessons for us. You know what I mean? Totally true, JJ. Yeah, it doesn't matter how old you are. You're never too old to learn. What do really? you think? Do yes, you, really. Do you believe that? I do believe. I'm, I'm, I'm JJ will... John Gasman <laughs> here. Gut Wisdom Radio that resonates on WCBS. We are joined in studio with Deirdre Koppelman, the host. And we have a special live show that we're broadcasting. Our very own show, Every Heart Matters episode. Are we live? We are live. Live audience? So now we have all of these witnesses that will remind you, JG, that you're Don't never too old to learn. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. So joining us tonight are two of New York City's finest doctors, and they've got a ton of wisdoms for all of us to learn and live by. Absolutely. We've been chatting a little bit earlier with Dr. Jonathan Winston, a nephrologist in the Mount Sinai uh, system. Medical system. Yeah. Is that the right proper? I believe it's Mount Sinai Health System. The Mount Sinai <laughs> Health System, if everybody's listening, we've got it right. And here's what we've learned so far. So Dr. Winston, who's a physically fit, active guy, um, let's see, had some symptoms that he thought were, well, I am deconditioned, I think is the word, right? You're not feeling <laughs> 100% fit. That's correct. That is correct. And so with further investigation, he was going to have uh, some knee replacement, went for pre-op testing, and I'm, tell me, correct me if I'm wrong. You're, right. you're so far I'm there. perfect. Right, I'm visualizing the whole thing. And yeah, he's but, taking but, but one of the test. questions that has, has already come up is, what, were, what was the symptom that you, you had? Right. I was having some sure. shortness of breath when I was exerting myself. Uh-huh. And that's why I keep using the term decondition, right. because people are short of breath if they're not in shape. Yeah. So mm. if you are not, uh, you're not active, and then you go out and you try to shovel snow, or you run, mm. or you exert yourself, mm -hmm. you can get short of breath. It doesn't mean that you have heart disease. We should actually speak about shoveling snow yeah. as, <laughs> as precipitating a, uh, a heart attack. But yeah. uh, shortness of breath with exertion is a sign of heart disease. Uh, many people are short of breath, right? and they have good hearts, right. but they're deconditioned. It could be either it way, could be but either if way. you're short of breath, you should definitely see a doctor. And see a doctor. So here he is looking to have knee surgery, uh, knee replacement surgery, fails the stress test, Correct. and lo and behold ends up with a angiogram to see what's really going on here, and then gets introduced to who we have here tonight, Dr. John Puskas. Hello, and welcome. Round Hello. of applause, Round everybody. of applause. So, did you save Dr. Winston's life? Well, I guess you could say that. So <laughs> Talk about humbleness. I get, with dimples, no less. I guess you could say that. Okay, we're going to get into that. I want to learn about heart-healthy wisdoms, but, J.G., I know you've got... Uh, You've got questions. Yeah, so one of my favorite questions, especially working with another doctor, because I work with a lot of professionals in my own field, and it's interesting working with them. How is it working, you know, a doctor working with another doctor? Is it the same as dealing with a layman, or is it challenging? Is it different? Do you treat, do you treat them differently? Well, we certainly don't treat another physician differently, but it's a real pleasure and a real compliment to have a physician come to me for surgical care. It's really the highest compliment when a colleague especially a Mount Sinai colleague, comes to me as a surgical patient, I'm truly honored. Uh, and it makes the conversations very easy. We speak the same language. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. And what about for you, Dr. Winston? Did you 
how do you now go from being Dr. Winston to patient? Not that you're not not that yes. you went any place. You're still Dr. Winston, but now you're a patient. Uh, that it, it was a little complicated in the beginning. I want to add, my wife is a physician, ah. so we both went and met Dr. Puskas. Uh, Literal, I think, I believe it was the day after the angiogram. So everything was happening very quickly. We knew that I was going to need open heart surgery. We knew that uh, there's a, a new procedure that uh, would be a great opportunity if I were a candidate. And we also knew he was a, the leader in the field, mm -hmm. literally the leader in the field. So we didn't really know what to expect in terms of his persona, what to, whether we were going to be, how we were going to be met. Was, was this going to be somebody who was very full of himself? Was this going to be mm. the height of arrogance? Was this going to be a tough man? And uh, it was as pleasurable and gratifying an interaction wow. as I could have imagined. It was just pure professionalism and... Uh, it was, it was just a pleasure from day one. And, and that's think, who you are. Right. Well, Speaking as yeah, a patient yes, who's right. been <clears throat> to Dr. Winston is. for 26 years, that's how you show up. You, don't sh you never showed up in any kind of an arrogant, you know, I don't know what to expect when I first right. met you. So, but now here you are as the patient. I just think it's unbelievable. Did do, I'm, qu I'm curious, Dr. Puskas, do doctors expect to be treated any differently? You know, do they expect more? Do they expect favors? Is there any special treatment afforded to a physician? There really is no special treatment afforded. I mean, we provide the same care to everybody who comes in the door. Yeah. But the conversations are different. We can discuss well, you can't medical him. problems in right? uh, really uh, more detail. We don't BS anybody. Well, no, but there's a way. Well, I didn't mean BS. In other words, being speculative, so we, we mean, can't say in those layman, words. Like there's layman terms that the two right. of you can communicate with that I would know what you were talking about. So, and you have to actually speak that language. That language. No, in medical school is a is a language course. You learn about six thousand words that other people don't know. Right. <laughs> Literally. Whew. And how many do you use? No, I'm just kidding. Five thousand nine hundred ninety-eight. Dr. Winston, how did this experience, and we'll get into wisdoms in heart health because there's, we need them because it's scary uh, and real. Did this experience change the way mm. you work with your own, with patients? I mean, I never noticed, we've always had a great relation. You know, it's always been great and, oh, hello. I mean, but quick, 15 minutes, have a great day. <laughs> Well, it definitely changed. It changed my life in many ways. It changed my professional uh, view of what my role is, of, of how I can help people. And I don't know if I've ever told uh, Dr. Puskas. Uh, I think I did. But uh, I walked into his office. Again, m for most patients, they would be in the same situation I, I was in. I walked into his office, and I was sitting there, and we were just having... Greeting, greetings, and I'm saying to myself, you know, my knees are shot. I'm going to need a, uh, a knee replacement. And now I'm in the cardiothoracic surgeon's office because I have coronary disease. Ugh. And I'm just watching myself tick away. I go, gee, I'm really old and I'm tired and what's, it's happening very quickly. And I don't know if he sensed it or he... Uh, uh, I think he did. He just 
actually showed me the angiogram, showed me the anatomy, told me what he could do, and then he looked at me and he goes, and you're a perfect candidate for this procedure. You're young, you're productive, you've got a life, and we're going to get you back on your feet right away. And I just cheered up, and I go, this guy is the greatest. And, and all of a sudden, I realized the power that a positive attitude has on yeah. patients' sense of themselves and well-being. And it was such a potent uh, approach. Uh, and I walked out, and I looked at my wife. I go, if I didn't even need the surgery, I'd probably sign up. He made me. <laughs> <laughs> he did such a good sign job. Away. But I, that has stuck with me to this day. I realize in one brief uh, encounter how you can really change someone's view of themselves, reinforce the positive, and really help to heal someone. It was very powerful, and I'm very appreciative. I'm trying not to cry. <clears throat> Here's some tissues. So question, obesity. We touched on it very briefly, Dr. Mm. Piscus. We've all heard that obesity is a factor that leads one to coronary um, heart disease. Uh, I've heard stories about there was a book written, Running, I won't say the author's name because he's since deceased, but uh, he ran quite a bit and he died running. And uh, I was reading even the other day, and we talked about this, you know, shoveling snow. Right. I mean, I hear about skinny, healthy people that die because of coronary we, heart disease. Right. We, so, we expect that it's the obese people, yeah. people that don't eat well, people that smoke, all the bad things. And yet, I'm sorry, I've seen heavy people who smoke live a very long life, and I've seen skinny people who are on the yeah. treadmill croak. Why? True. Help us. So there's a formula, um, an equation that leads to coronary disease, but we don't know all of the factors in the formula. Is this like we, AX squared plus BX yeah, plus C like equals like zero? like algebra, but we don't yeah. know the coefficients, and the coefficients are a little oh. different for each patient. So the sum of the elements in the formula include obesity. That's an obvious one. You can see it. Right. Smoking is the other one. Those two together are probably the most important avoidable, correctable causes of coronary artery disease. Mm -hmm. But there are others that are invisible. We can't tell looking at you, although... I'll bet you Dr. Winston could tell if you were very hypertensive, if you had a very high blood pressure, he'd probably pick out some of the subtle signs. Mm -hmm. But for most people, hypertension and high cholesterol are invisible. So wait, one so second. So these are things you have to get tested. The hypertension, I don't know if everybody here in the live audience is aware, they just changed what hypertension, what the values are for hypertension. It used to be 140 over 90 or 130 over 80, 90 rather was borderline hypertension, or they changed it from 140 over. What? So how do? What is it now? Well, the exact number is less important than getting it under control. And, and frankly, it's the diastolic number, the the number, the denominator that's the most important one. You want that to be less than 85 for sure, preferably less than number. 80. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, but knowing your numbers is one of the themes of the American Heart Association. <clears throat> it's one of the themes for the Go Red month of, Jan of, um, of February, which right. is mm -hmm. Valentine's Day, Go Red for Women, Heart Health, right. yes. which is another important message for your listeners. Yeah, Dr. Winston's a man, and it's true that men get coronary disease and die of it sometimes, but so do women. 
Yeah. And cardiovascular disease is the number one killer of women, not wow. just number one killer of men. Are you listening? So, yes, breast cancer is important, and those other female-specific diseases are important. They're very important. Yeah. But the number one killer of women is coronary artery disease. It's heart disease. So if you're not overweight and you don't smoke and... Don't drink either. You're not necessarily checking your blood pressure on a regular basis. I mean, if you're a healthy, fit person, you probably don't have a blood pressure cuff at home, right? right. So it's a once-a-year thing. You need to go to your doctor. You need to have your blood pressure checked. You mm -hmm. need to know what that number is. Write it down. Mm -hmm. Know what your cholesterol is. Those are the two. And, of course, the diabetes is a third thing, a blood test for sugar. Right. There are a lot of people, especially those who might be a little pleasantly plump, <coughs> Early diabetes, maybe I just didn't want to look your way. Chips to the Dunkin' Donuts, um, Krispy Kreme. Uh, uh, Krispy Kreme, yeah, you can't beat Krispy Kreme, except that it goes straight to your arteries. Moment on the <laughs> lips, a lifetime on the hips, they say. <laughs> so you know, blood sugar, blood pressure, and blood cholesterol—those are the invisible things that really make a difference. The smoking and the obesity are obvious; we can mm. see those. Mm -hmm. And whether we can affect them, whether we have the motivation, the discipline, the help yes. to accomplish those changes is a different matter, but they are obvious. So, so here's a question from uh, somebody in our live audience, and, and when we come back from a break, shortly, we're going to take more questions from our listeners. How often is it safe to eat red meat? You will get in your opinion. You, and you'll get different <laughs> answers from different people. Right. Right. I, I think there's a difference between... Um, red meat with a giant swath of fat in it mm -hmm. ah. and lean trimmed beef or for that matter buffalo mm. there's a big difference between deep fried chicken mm. and a skinless grilled breast of chicken right oh. there's a big difference I like all the bad between, things you know a, 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 a lean beef and a McDonald's burger the yes. calorie counts are vastly different and yeah. the fat content is vastly and the different. sodium yes I'm very big That's on, big I'm like, I'm, so I keep checking sodium levels, and I, my guess is maybe that also has something, well, maybe that raises blood pressure. I don't know. Mm. Yes. <laughs> the nephrologist knows better than the, the heart The nephrologist knows better. The impact of sodium on blood pressure. All right, well, when we come back, I'd like to talk about the operation, more heart-healthy wisdoms. Uh, listeners, if you're interested in getting the gut wisdom, Heart Healthy Wisdoms for 2018, please email me at dk at gutwisdom, G-U-T-W-I-Z-D-O-M.com. And we're coming back with both doctors, Winston and Puska. Stay tuned. When you're on the train, it doesn't mean you're out of touch. Listen to WCBS on your phone or tablet. We're streaming live 24-7 with the news you need to know. Go to radio.com or cbsnewyork.com, and you'll stay informed on your way to and from the office with WCBS News Radio 880. Tonight, we are recording our Every Heart Matters live event. That means we have a live, live, alive audience here. And we have with us from the Mount Sinai Medical Center two doctors. Health doc system. Health system. Health system. Okay. Gotta I'll, get it right. I'll get it right. I'll get it right <laughs> one day. Uh, we have joining us Dr. Jonathan Winston, Dr. John Puskis. Of course, we have co host John Gassman. And I'm the only John, non-John here, non -John. Deirdre Koppelman, host of Gut Wisdom. That's what you're listening to. We want to give a warm welcome back to our esteemed guests, panel experts on heart health. So let's give them a warm welcome. 
So we have a lot of great questions, and it's been a fascinating story with a doctor who I have come to know over the last 26 years and was worried when he was not uh, in the uh, hospital last year when I was looking for him. But you're back. You had an event. You have a doctor here who saved your life. I'm grateful to you, Dr. Puskas, for doing that. I just want you to know. And I know that Dr. Winston, yes? I'm grateful, too. <laughs> And your wife is here. And your right? wife Let's is grateful too. Yes. Mrs. Doctor Winston, where are you? Sherry. Sharon, stand up. Let's give her a round of applause. So, what are some of the? And I think our listeners would be interested. What are some of the common myths? Right. We know obesity. We know you know that's not a myth, right? But what are those symptoms we started to say before that there were three things that we should be. Uh, mindful of in terms of heart health to hopefully prevent a coronary event in our lives? What were they? Well, we talked about monitoring blood pressure, right. blood sugar, especially for diabetic patients, and, and um, uh, cholesterol, blood cholesterol. Yeah. So those three blood tests are the three key invisible ingredients that go into that equation that produces coronary artery disease. The other two obvious ones very visible ones are yes. obesity and smoking. And those are the first two to attack because they are the ones that are most amenable to just deciding not to smoke. Right. What about um, family history? So that's an invisible one too. We physicians, when we can't figure out why you have some problem, we say it's due to your genes. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes we're telling the truth, but we don't know which times. Right. <laughs> so you just added in there. Is it, well, is it, <laughs> What do you what do you think? About? Yeah, I actually have a family history, and uh, uh, I'm sure it did play a role. But uh, but uh, I also had and have high blood pressure, well controlled, and and high cholesterol controlled, and I, I think the three of them together and just did did its thing. So knowing what you know now, yes. what would you tell your younger self? Well, I would tell my younger self or anybody who's younger, I would say exactly what Dr. Puskas is saying. I go, I would say, you, everyone goes to doctors. You should go to you a doctor. You should go to a doctor. And there are risk factors for heart disease. You should take those risk factors very seriously because if you can prevent heart disease, you're doing a lot better than if you have to treat it. Now, I was extremely lucky, and I'm thankful every day that my treatment worked out so well. I'm doing great. Well, here, but here's if a, I could have prevented it, right. I would have been better off. Well, here's a question, and it actually came from somebody in our audience tonight. Had you not gone to have a stress test because you wanted to have knee surgery, and so this is where his cardiac issue was discovered, mm -hmm. Dr. Winston, what, what would Dr. Puss, what would have happened if that was not discovered by well, failing a stress test? The particular pattern of blockages that Dr. Winston had is is falls in the category of what we call the widowmaker. Oh, ooh. So there's a particularly important artery that comes down the front wall of the heart. It's called the left anterior descending artery, or LAD, and his blockage was about 99% at the beginning point of that artery. Wow. So if climbing the stairs or exerting himself or just resting or even sleeping, that becomes blocked. The last little clot forms on that and blocks it. That could cause 
a heart attack that uh, that would cause a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Whether that, whether he would survive that heart attack or not is is you know a matter of speculation. Wow! But it's a it is a life threatening kind of heart attack. Unbelievable. Take a deep breath, Dr. Winston. It's we are all here together, and boy, are we happy. It's very sobering news, and again, uh, I'm. Uh, <clears throat> if you were to see me exercise now with well, with a passion, with a mission, mm, and to to mission. have been able to go from that situation to completely asymptomatic and just functioning physically at a very high level. What a gift. What a blessing. 100%. So as part of deconditioning, to be conditioned, you have to exercise. Well, it's a mission. I think it's, yeah. it's a decision. Yeah. It's a decision to say, I am worth taking care of myself. How lucky he is. He gets to exercise. Right. Gets to. So not has to. if I may, I actually read a... Uh, a review in the Wall Street Journal. Mm. If, if it was written by a, uh, a, uh, an author named Alexander Lebrano. He writes about uh, cooking. And he wrote about a vegan cookbook. And the reason I got so attracted is I read the, I read the review the author of the book is now. I'm from Brooklyn, so this may not come out. Yeah, right. Brooklyn. <laughs> the the chef is Jean Christian Jure, and he's a very well known chef mm-hmm. uh, who had two heart attacks, oh. and he clearly embraced food, and he turned vegan, and now he has a vegan uh, cookbook. And he said after his second heart attack, his doctors told him, human beings have two lives. The second one begins the day you realize you only have one left. Mm. And that was my story, and I think it's other people's story. Whoa, is that a wisdom. So it's really what we're talking about in terms of heart-healthy diet and being proactive and taking care of yourself is really taking these things seriously and realizing that we're not invulnerable. We may be feeling good. We may look good. We may be exercising a lot. But there are numbers that count, blood pressure, age, uh, cholesterol. And if you have these risk factors, you have, to, you have the opportunity to really manage them. And you just have to take it seriously. And be an adult about it, unlike me. <laughs> uh, or me or many others. I mean, I'm not a, an adult about a lot of things about my health, which you know, we'll talk about on another show. <sighs> Dr. Winston, here's a couple of questions because we want to get these heart-healthy wisdoms. We've got a live audience. Live audience, you still there? All right. So we've got a couple of questions. How often should we check our blood pressure? Raj wants to know, but I bet you there's more like us. How often should we be checking it? If you have normal blood pressure, never have had a blood pressure problem, you may not need to check it very often. But that's not many of us. Right. If you have high blood pressure, you should get it managed medically and through exercise and lifestyle modification. 
and monitor the success of that program. That's the key. It's monitored. The, the, the point of making yeah. those changes is, is to see a fall, a drop in the blood pressure, and then to maintain that drop in blood pressure. Right. So don't so just take the pill and think it works. You've got to be checking your yeah. blood pressure. Right. What about people that are like desk workers? We sit behind a desk all day. I know a lot of friends of mine. We're traders. I mean, we're in front of screens. We don't get up. We're just... We don't even take lunch hour. Sedentary yeah. lifestyle is one of the risk factors. Sedentary for lifestyle. Disease. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you've got to find a way to add regular exercise to your week, to your day. And maybe that's getting off the subway two stops earlier and walking. Mm. Maybe, it's not, maybe it's just walking the whole way. You know, 20 blocks is only one mile. Yeah. It's not that far. Right. You could walk to and from work a mile. <laughs> you could ride a city bike. I wonder if that, yeah. There are ways to exercise on a regular basis that you can somehow cram into your busy day. I sure. hope uh, Tim Sheld is listening carefully. Here's another question from a, uh, from a listener and somebody here tonight. How often should a healthy 64-year-old woman who exercises just moderately have a stress test? Now, we could talk about health insurance on another show, but why wouldn't a stress test be a part of just your normal at a certain age? If, if you can't pass a stress test... That, to me, is the fastest, easiest route to we have a problem here. Well, everybody who's prepared for a, a surgical procedure, as Dr. Winston was sure. for his knees, will have a stress test to be cleared to have that operation. Anyone with risk factors, and we've identified a list of those risk factors, age being an important one, yeah. uh, is eligible to have a stress test as part of their checkup. Yeah. Now, different insurance plans will reimburse different numbers of stress tests. Mm-hmm. If I were 64 years old and had a significant risk factor for coronary disease, I'd like to get one every year. Right. You know? And if I had to pay a copay to get that, I certainly would. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you have a question? I do. When it comes to cholesterol, I know a lot of people, they talk about, oh, I have very high cholesterol, and they eat the most healthy food. I mean, no meat, just all green vegetables. But meanwhile, they still have high cholesterol. So how much of a factor does that is that as it relates to coronary heart disease? So cholesterol has been very clearly linked to the onset and the, the continuation or progression of coronary artery disease. Diet is one of the factors that we have in our disposal or at our disposal to modify our blood cholesterol levels. Mm -hmm. But medication is another, and many people are on statin drugs now. Yes. There are a variety of different statin drugs. They are actually surprisingly effective. And they, they're useful both before you have a heart attack and after you have a heart attack. And they do reduce the risk of having adverse events like heart attack or stroke. Yeah. So statin medications um, are a key part of preventing coronary disease for lots of patients. I have a question about the procedure that you performed. Is, is, so it was minimal, minimally right. invasive. To me, that means it's laparoscopic. Right. So what is, minimal, what is coronary bypass surgery? Let's talk about that very briefly. Yeah. Coronary bypass surgery is really fancy plumbing. <laughs> ah. All right? So there's a black pipe. It's Roto rooter. Pipe. Well, that's a different kind of plumbing. Okay. Instead of rooting out the pipe, what we do is we give you another set of pipes. So mm. imagine a blocked artery. Mm -hmm. We take another blood vessel from somewhere else in the body and we attach it around the blockage. That becomes a detour or bypass for the blood to get to the heart and provide the working muscle of the heart with the oxygen and nutrients that it needs. Mm -hmm. That detour or bypass is why we call it a bypass operation. Right. And we typically do one for each of the blocked arteries. The standard or traditional way of doing that is to open the breastbone, the sternum, 
from top to bottom, and that's a pretty big incision. It's major open surgery. And frankly, about 200,000 patients a year in this country have that operation, and the vast majority of them do just fine. But it's a big operation, and there's mm -hmm. some getting over that that's required. Mm -hmm. There's a recovery mm -hmm. uh, that's challenging for some patients. Mm -hmm. The minimally invasive approach we do actually with a robot, a special device that allows me to insert through three incisions less than a centimeter wide between the ribs, long, narrow instruments, and then I sit at a console with my head and hands and feet inside the console, and I see inside the chest high-definition 3D vision, and what is on my hands and what I do with my feet is transmitted to the instruments inside the chest, and we're able to harvest that artery and then sew it to the front wall artery of the heart without opening the breastbone at all. And that speeds recovery. Um, Dr. Winston was home in three days. I was, I was operated on a Wednesday. I was home on a Saturday. Amazing. So here's what we have to do because we are out of time. However, we are going to have more wisdoms. We'll have to write a blog together so that we can share it with listeners. We can put it on the Gut Wisdom website. Doctors Jonathan Winston and John Puskas cannot thank you both enough for being here, for sharing the story. I know we have more questions. Our live audience is, we're going to be able to ask a few more questions. I'm sure we just won't tape it. Thank you. You've been listening to Gut Wisdom on WCBS News Radio 880. Thank you, WCBS. We love you. And our listeners, thank you. Have a great Saturday night. You've been listening to Gut Wisdom on WCBS News Radio 880. Gut Wisdom comes your way every Saturday night at 7 p.m. on WCBS 880 or anytime at gutwisdom.com. That's wisdom spelled with a Z.